That something is a someone, and it's not us for sure. It's the Lord Jesus. Amen. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. We appreciate the opportunity to be together once again in the house of God. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, if you would. How many believes in the supernatural? I appreciate the supernatural of God, that is. There's another supernatural realm that I really don't like. I don't like dealing with, I don't like delving into, but it's part of who we are as believers, of course, uh, the prince of the power of darkness that has been able to assail against the people of God since the fall of man, but I think it equips us by the grace of God to help us to understand our enemy, and the truth of it is, we can understand him better than he can understand us. There's much about God he simply doesn't understand. And I'm convinced, the more I look into it, the, the more that he sees us displayed, the less he understands about us. He just doesn't understand us. He tempts us in a way that he himself would relate to on many things. And when we don't yield to it, it just blows him away. I mean, he just, he just said, well, what is wrong with these people? Shouldn't they go that way? Angels went that way. The majority of humans go that way. Why don't they do it? It's because the life of our king is inside of us. That's what makes us different. Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings. Notice the difference in the designation, prince of Persia and kings of Persia. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight, Lord Jesus. We so appreciate the opportunity to be gathered together again in the house of God. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint our hearts May we be able to receive of your bountiful hand, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. May our gathering together tonight, Lord, not be in vain. You've promised us in your word, if two or three was gathered in your name, that is under the auspices of the character of the name, what the name stands for, that you would be in our midst. Lord, I believe that for the most part, everybody here tonight has gathered under that name. We've not gathered under the name of Donnie Reagan, William Branham, any other man's name. We've gathered under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. So, Father, we ask you that you'd come and have your way in the service. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. 
Let us go back to Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Now, I know it probably seems odd to many people, but Satan still has access to accuse the brethren from the time that he was cast down. He was actually cast down from his estate, but not in a permanent removal. And we know there's various places in the scripture that we can view that Satan and even his angels was able to come back before the throne of God. But when we read this casting down in Revelation 12, 7, this is the final casting down. He will never be allowed to come into heaven again. Now, you'd think of all the times that he's been in war, even whenever he was cast out from the original estate, that he would find it a little bit easier to go. But there's something about this casting out He resists it to the very last moment. It's odd when you look at it because this is something that he's desired for thousands of years. He's wanted this for millennia. To be able to come down to the earth, to finally become fully incarnate on the earth and to be able to rule as God. But yet there's something about him giving up this access to the throne of God that he doesn't want to let go of. But it's somehow in the interchange of the bride going up, him coming down, and he knows it's the terminating point. So actually, it's as if though another battle breaks out and the angels of God, of course, boot him out again. Now, let us take a little journey, if we can, in the book of Kings, chapter 22, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 20. I know you Bible readers are very familiar with this. Now, the prophet here gives us kind of a strange scenario, and he makes it sound as if, though, that God calls a council. And it's as if so that God doesn't actually know what to do. Now we know that God isn't this way at all. But the prophet uses a metaphor of God or a parable. Something to be able to convey an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he conveys it. Now listen as we read this. Because if you read it with a carnal mind, it could almost demeanor God or bring God down. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Now notice the way the prophet sets his story forth. It's as if though God doesn't really know. But we know that's not true. God knows all things. But the prophet conveyed it as if though God is having this council meeting in heaven and he doesn't really have all the answers. Now he says that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead and one set on this manner and another set on that manner. Now, to, in order to bring the divine things down to a level that we would be able to understand it or comprehend it, as I said, the prophet goes into a parabolic form, as the Lord Jesus did, and his prophets, of course, did many times in the scripture, and he likens it to a general council that would take place in a king's palace. 
As if the king had called together his council and said, Now, we want to be able to accomplish this certain thing. So what do you think? Or what do you think? Now, what's your opinion and how we might be able to do this? And we know in reality, God don't need nobody's opinion. Now, watch in order to convey the story of how hell intervenes in the time when certain things must be done. Notice verse 21. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Now, notice he presented himself before the Lord. Now, this is not an angel of God. And it's certainly not a spirit, a truth-telling spirit. But he presents himself before the throne of God, and he says, I will persuade him or prevail upon him. Now, evil spirits can be employed to carry out the divine will of God, and God will actually let them do it. Now, this evil spirit is going to say how he will perform this. Now, remember Elijah had prophesied that the dogs, you know, would eat Jezebel and what would happen to Ahab because of Naboth, and that word has not yet fully come to pass. But the the sequence of events leading up to the fulfillment of that word are now setting in order. So this evil spirit, the Holy Ghost, will never move on a sinner or a saint and cause them to tell a lie. The Holy Ghost will never move on a sinner or a saint and cause them to fabricate something that is not 100% the truth. And the saint said... The Holy Ghost will never anoint anybody to take any emotion, any sensation, any sign or wonder over God's Word. Never. It's contrary to the Holy Spirit because that is God Himself in spirit form. But an evil spirit will anoint people and will actually give them sometimes true prophecy, true signs... And can even sometimes show them things in the future. And still anoint them to lay aside the word. Now this is where as a believer I always, always come back to the word first. I love sensations, I love supernatural, I love signs, miracles, so on and so on and so on. But if any supernatural thing leads me contrary to the word, I know right then it's a demon. Well, praise the Lord. Now, that's exactly right. Surely you, you believe that's the truth as well. So, but the Lord allowed this lying spirit To be able to come up before the throne. Now notice in verse 22. And the Lord said unto him. Wherewith? Or in other words. How will you do this? Now had Satan and all of his angels been cast out of heaven originally when they fell. And never allowed to go before the throne of God again. This occurrence could have never happened. But on occasion, 
There's need for such sorry, low-down, rotten scoundrels. You see, God can never use angels of God to do anything like this at all. And this demon is not being made to do it. As a matter of fact, he wants to. Now, remember what we're dealing with, that Satan is the opposite of kenosis. And once these angels fell, they take on the nature of their king. So the nature of their king is to destroy, to violate, to break down God's word, to get people to compromise. He loves sickness. He loves divorce. He loves all kinds of havoc and trouble. He loves all of that. So his demons took on that very same thing. That they love trouble. They love heartache. They love difficulty. They love disease. Let me just tell you, friends. While this coronavirus and all this is going on on the earth and people are tore all to pieces and scared to death. And let me just remind you, God's prophet said, I read it today and I shared it with a few folks, that God's prophet said the worst thing the devil could ever put on you was fear. Fear is worse than cancer. Fear is worse than the flu. It's worse than the coronavirus. It's worse than any virus that there is down in hell. And the prophet goes on to say, even if you had cancer, if you did not fear it, you wouldn't be in too bad a shape. So don't go running around here and acting like a bunch of people that ain't been taught the word of God. When calamity comes, what do we do? We behave ourselves as sons and daughters of God. Sure, wash your hands, cover your mouth, do all the sensible things. But don't let the devil put fear on you because it won't just stop with the coronavirus. You'll start fearing this and fearing that and fearing something else. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Now sure, wash your hands, be sensible. I'm the one who bought those things out there for you to put your hands under. You know, germs are like Jesus. They're everywhere. So it's sensible to wash your hands and do all that sort of thing, but don't let fear grab a hold of you. Look what it's doing to the world. Look what it's doing to the stock market. Look what it's doing to the people. Well, Brother Donnie, shouldn't we take care? Sure, we should take care. But I live that way every day of my life. I take care every day. I think that's the way we ought to live, but I think it displeases the Lord when we let the media, when we let the newspaper, when we let our apps, whether it's Fox or CNN or CSNBC, whoever it is, scare the liver out of us and we forget who we are. We are God's children in the time of storm. We are God's children in the time of pandemic. We are God's children in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're children by his blood. Now I want you to notice this evil spirit is going to go down. But he's only going to get in the mouths of false prophets. This, this anointing of this evil spirit. It's not going to affect God's elect at all. No. 
Notice in verse 22, and the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be. I don't know exactly what this demon's rank was and what he was. But he sounds as if though he's transforming himself. I will be. He didn't say was a lying spirit, but I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his soothsayers or drinkers or dope shooters or what? Prophets? You mean a man can be a prophet and have a lying demon on his mouth? Well, hallelujah. My friends, I don't care if a man professes to be a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, a singer, a songwriter. I don't care what he professes to be. If he says something contrary to this word, I'm not going to hear him. And one of the true signs that he is a false prophet to me is when he drags out his fear saying, you better be careful now. So and so doubted me of their dead. That's a sign you're a false prophet for sure. Don't try your scare tactics on me. They won't work. I've seen enough of that in Pentecost to know. Well, hallelujah. Now, notice. So this lying spirit goes before the throne of God and he tells God, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Now, he had 400 prophets. 400. And God had one. Outnumbered 400 to 1. God don't have to have 400. All he needs is one. That one will speak more truth and them 400 can speak false against the truth that he brings. And he still outweighs them. That's right. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. So now this demon, of course, for no good is going to come down and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And it's easy to see that this demon volunteered to do so. He did not. God did not make him. God did not send a message down in hell. Hey, anybody down there want to do this? But these demons still have access before the throne of God. Well, praise the Lord. My goodness. We say sometimes, boy, if I get to shouting and running, that old devil will be scared of me. Really? You think you're screaming. Do you think you're screaming and hollering and running and jumping and whatever more is going to run the devil off when he goes before God's throne himself? Come on, get real. Oh, glory to God, I'll tell you one thing. If I can jump up that, if I can feel chills, if I can, you better know where you stand in the Word. You better be able to take that Word with or without feeling, with or without anointing, and withstanding because He'll watch you all day long till the anointing leaves you, and then He'll hit you then. Notice this in the anointed ones, the end time. The prophet now catches this story here, and he said, the lying spirit come up out of hell and fell down Upon his knees. And said if you just permit me. I can give them my. Oh my goodness. So demons have anointing. And they love to share it. 
Well, my, I thought only, only the saints of God had anointing. Well, you need to expand your understanding. Do you think we're the only ones that have healing? Do you think the bride people are the only ones that have miracles? Do you honestly think we're the only one that the Spirit of God shows up in our services? You need to wake up. Notice this. I can give them my anointing, but notice his reason for doing it. Make them do any kind of sign or wonder. You mean demons can get on people and they can do it. The prophet tells us in Harvest Time in 64, he said Satan can hand out them supernatural gifts by the handfuls. Lord, Brother Donnie, if somebody called me out and, and told me this and that and the other, man, it had to be a man of God. Are you sure? Are you sure? I've seen a man in Pentecost call a woman out one night and do something totally, completely indecent in the way that he addressed the woman. I sat there in the meeting, bum-fuzzle. I could not even believe a person would do such a thing. When he got done praying for her, he called me out and told me what I had prayed that very day and repeated my prayer. Did that change the wrong he done? Didn't change one thing about it. I found out some time later that man was having affairs with different women in different parts of the states where he'd travel around. This is why the anointed ones at the end time meant so much to me when I heard it. That's right, because you look at that and you think, Lord, how in the world can that be? But when you look at it by the word, you realize God allows that to be done to prove to the people that the bride isn't the only one that can have it. If we was the only one that God was answering our prayers, don't you think folks would be flocking to us? But why would they be doing it? For the loaves and the fishes, not because of the truth. Why did God allow Moses to go down there and perform the signs and wonders and allow Janice and Jambres to come right there and throw their dead stick down right in front of Pharaoh and turn their stick into a serpent? Now you try it. Any of you tonight want to try it? And Janice and Jambus were absolutely anti-God. They were anti-word. Why would God do that? The prophet said to be able to prove to them that Moses wasn't the only one that could do it. Well, hallelujah. Well, how do we, how are we going to know, Brother Donnie? The word. Notice now what this evil spirit said. I can give him my anointing. Make them do any kind of sign or wonder just as long as I get them off the word. He won't even know that is your word. He'll ignore it for popularity. Brother, times hasn't changed. Brother Neville, that's true. You remember that's true. I'll get upon him and make him do the same things the rest of them does. Now here are going to be true ones and they're doing signs and wonders and miracles and shouting and dancing and worshiping and praising God and a demon out of hell get on somebody else and make them do the exact same things. Woo! That's why I say don't shout no higher than you live. Now if you live high, 
shout high. But if you don't live very high, shout low. Well, you don't matter, Brother Donnie. I like to see the way folks, what they do with that word. They put their emotion above the word. They put this or that or the other above the word. You know, right there, there's something wrong for it. Oh, my. You know where you're walking with God. Rejoice. Praise God. Well, that makes me the bride. It does not make you the bride. Satan will have somebody right by you anointed with a demon out of hell jumping as high as you're jumping. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. I'll make him prophesy and tell a lie. And he says, how could it be a lie? Because it was contrary to the word. Now, when people come to me with dreams or visions or prophecy or whatever more, I'll lay it up. I'll give them the amount of time. If they designate a certain amount of time, well, within six months, this or this will happen, or nine months or a year or whatever. Generally, I'm a man of grace. If they say a year, I'll give them a year, three, a year, six, you know, a year and six months or something like that. But if it don't come to pass, I am going to confront them and tell them they got a lying spirit on them. Because God don't lie. Well, hallelujah. Come on now, saints. Now watch the prophet again. He said, you can take any of these false baptisms, fake so and so and so. I don't care how real it sounds, how much they try to personate. If it's a lie, it's contrary to God's word of this hour. That's exactly. Micaiah said to him, not right out to his face, but in other words, you're anointed with a lying spirit. Wouldn't that be something to tell a bishop? He said, but he done it. So this bishop walked up and said, you'll never have fellowship no more and smacked him in the face. You know that I'm a vindicated man. A vindicated man. My church made me the head of it. This thing, the popper vote of God's people. Whoa. Made me this. My organization made me this. And God gave us this land and he intends for it to belong to us. I have thus saith the Lord. Smacked him and said, which way the spirit of God go when it left me? Micaiah said, you'll find out one of these days when California is beneath the sea out yonder. Oh my. And all these things, see, you'll see which way it went when you're sitting in the inner prison. Every sign, every wonder, anointed man, prophecy, all kinds of things going forth, all kinds of signs, all kinds of wonders. How are you going to tell the difference? Watch the word for this hour. Notice how he keeps coming back to that. Watch the word. So apparently there will be signs and wonders and anointings that will be around this message that will be so close you won't be able to differentiate between the two by the signs. Because some of the false prophets and liars will have true signs but false word. And if you're only a sign seeker, you're going to be deceived. Well, praise God. I'm personally not a sign follower. Signs follow me. 
that's the right order. I'm not following signs. Well, I'm going to this man and that man. No, according to the Bible, these signs shall follow them that believe. I am not a sign seeker. Signs follow me. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate the word of God for the hour, don't you? What's the word for this hour? That's how you take Watch Moses. How could he have told Balaam? Watch Micaiah there. How did he know what was right? The word before him had prophesied that for Ahab. And the word before us prophesied these organizations for this day. And this curse is upon them. Now think about it, this is 1965. A.A. Allen is running up and down the field of Trinitarian. Baptizing people in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Had signs, miracles, wonders, all kinds of Trinitarian. Having tent revivals, all kinds of things that was going on. Come on now, children. Brother Adam wasn't the only one. You saying Brother Adam was the only one having great revivals? Absolutely not. There was dead being raised, sick being healed, lame was being made to walk. And you imagine the people in that day trying to sort through it. Who, who do I listen to? Do I listen to Jack Coe, Trinitarian? Do I listen to A. Allen, Trinitarian? Do I listen to W.V. Grant, Trinitarian? Now listen to this man, that man. Well, here's Brother Branham. He's preaching oneness and he's preaching the true thing of water baptism. He's preaching the bride. He's preaching predestination. Why should I line up with that when I can get miracles over here and they don't even preach holiness? So if you was looking for signs, guess one. Guess which one most people went to? Them people. That's why it come down to the end of his ministry. His crowds had fallen off and the people thought he'd done one off the deep end. And they said after 63, something happened. I agree with that. Amen. After 63, something happened all right. It was Christ, the mighty angel that come down to reveal the word to the bride. And they said, oh, get away him get away from him now notice verse 23 now therefore behold the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets And the Lord has spoken evil concerning thee. One man. There's the king, all the royal family, 400 prophets, all the delegates of Israel, all the rich and the mighty and the powerful. One little guy standing out there by himself and said, you're ever one anointed with a lying demon right out of hell poor little guy I can't wait to meet some of these people these are my heroes friends you can have Batman and Superman and all them people you want these are my heroes these are the people I want to be like amen you imagine one man standing there and said, you prophets are anointed with a lying demon out of hell. My goodness. You see, but an order has come from the providential plan of God and which God's own government cannot bring to pass. On its own. 
Because angels cannot lie. People in theophanies cannot be sent to the earth to interfere in such things. So God allowed access of demons. <laughs> you see, not only has a permissive will, but he has an active providential will, which will come to pass if he has to order it thus. Even again, sometimes the ignorance of his own people. Well, hallelujah. Verse 24. But Zedekiah, the son of Shananiah, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit of the Lord for me to speak unto thee? You're a liar. I ain't under the influence of no demon. I've got the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel it all over me right now. Glory to God. I don't know. I'm not saying that he didn't feel something. He probably did. He probably had chills and thrills and spills and all kinds of everything else that was going all over him. No doubt, Brother Terry, it was running up and down his arm. The hair was sticking up on his arm and the hair sticking up on the back of his neck. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel it all over me. Hallelujah. And that hallelujah, that glory to God was leading him directly away from the word of Elijah. I want to make sure my hallelujahs are word back, don't you? My glory to God's. Now let's move from there to the book of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now this is an expression of a Hebrew idiom, it's called. A Hebrew idiom which means members of a particular circle or a particular designation were called sons. It wasn't always word-born sons, but sometimes those of God's own kind Celestial beings. Now we were not there in body form. But these celestial beings, these angelic creatures, was there in the presence of God. And they came up to worship. Now this is after the fall of man, of course. And whenever they came up, the writer here of Job says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. As I've said, he's the most faithful member in Happy Valley. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Now this is like the Lord asking Adam, 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 where are you? It's not like he don't know. Again, this is another Hebrew idiom set forth in such a way. It's a parable. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Now, we'll not notice his word. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up 
and down in it. Now I want you to notice how he answers this. He says this in a form of bragging and boasting. Now remember who he is. So where have you been? Oh, since I control the earth, I've been going up and down, back and forth. I go anywhere I want to because it's mine. You cannot stop me. So I go where I want to go. Now watch how he answers God. I go where I want to go. I come when I want to come. I leave. I do whatever I want to do. Now you see, when we get that kind of attitude, we're not like the Lord wants us to be. From going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. Oh, I've got full liberty. I do as I please. I come and go. Not like it was when I was up here with you. You told me to go here and go there and do this. Now I'm free. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Oh, I see, I see. After his brag, then God throws up an earthly servant in defiance to his claims. <laughs> Oh, you're coming and going and doing whatever you want to do. And you control everybody, do you? You tell them what to do and they mind you. And and you're just over the entire earth. Really? Have you considered my servant Job lately? I don't want to talk about him. Oh, now, wait a minute. I saw you as the big man. You're the big cheese. You're the man that can make everybody do everything you want. But have you considered my servant Job? Glory be to God. <laughs> oh my, this, this, is a, this is a revered title that God calls Job several times through, through the book of Job. It's an awesome title. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. Now it's quite an awesome thing when God brags on you. Unless he's bragging to the devil to disprove Satan's claim. Then if he is, you have just been engaged in an entourage. If God is bragging on you excessively in heaven, God help you, my brother (laughs) or my sister. God doesn't say this without a reason, right? Now, we know God loves all of his children, but there's certain ones that have always stood out. We just face facts. There is none like him in the earth. A perfect 
and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewest evil. Oh, what high praise indeed. In answer to the devil's question, I'm going here and there and over there and there, everywhere I go. People just bow to me. They're terrified of me. And God said, have you considered one of my boys? I've got a boy down there and his name is Job. Have you considered him? Now, I want to be highly favored before the Lord. I want to be special in God's eyes, loved in God's eyes. All of that. Unless he's needing somebody to prove against the devil. Then I'm like you. I go back to the end of the line. Where's Donnie? Lord. Where are you, Donnie? I hid myself. I'm not naked, but I'm scared. <laughs> Come on now, don't sit there and look at me and act like you all run to the front of the line. Oh my. You see, there's always been ones in God's providential plan, such as Hezekiah. He outstripped all the kings of Judah. Job was a man of caliber that far exceeded the others. Josiah, the king. And we know there's always been people in the New Testament. And God calls him a perfect and an upright man. Notice in verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for nothing? Now, it's amazing that the accuser cannot say one thing against him. Oh, he drinks. You ought to see him what he does when he gets on his phone by himself. You ought to see how he sneaks over behind the building and pulls up all kinds of stuff on his phone. You ought to see him. And then amazing, he had nothing to say whatsoever. God done smacked his mouth, didn't he? I mean, he done took that life of that servant on the earth. A man without the Holy Ghost, saints. A man without the Holy Ghost. And God shut that devil's mouth. The devil couldn't even say one thing back. Oh, that's the kind of people we want to be, is it not? So no, I can't say one thing against him in that manner. But there's a reason he serves you. You're so good to him. You baby him. You pet him. You give him all kinds of stuff. Now this scene is a scene of a courtroom. God stood up. Amen. I made the declaration. And the accuser on the right side. Notice the right. The accuser on the right side comes up and said, Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. You picked certain selected avenues of his life. Do you think he's serving you for nothing? You and him worked out a deal, a plan. If he does this and this and this, you'll do this and this and this. Take that away. He'll curse you to your face. Amen. 
Why? He don't understand a mortal that really loves God from their soul. And they're not serving God for things. They're not serving God for blessings. They're serving God because they love Him with all their hearts. He can't relate to such. Why would you do that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Notice this, he says. Hast thou made an hedge, not made a hedge about him and about his house, which was everything in the household, children and goods and all that that he owned and everything? Hast thou blessed the work of his hands? Has his substance increased in the land? Now, notice what he's accusing Job up. Why, of course he loves you. He's your pet. Actually, this Hebrew word here, building a hedge, is that you have put spikes, spikes and spears. So you've put spikes and spears all around him. I can't even get nowhere close. I tried him. But I can't even get nowhere close. It's your fault. If you ever one time let me at him, I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll curse you to your face. God said, no, he won't. Why? He knew his son. Prophet said he'd been having fellowship with Job. I want God to know me that way. Don't you want God to know you that way? You made him unapproachable. There's a hedge. Don't you know I've tried and I've tried? Oh, sure. All your children's all baby. All of them left that way. None of them sick. None of them through trial. But let me afflict them with cancer. Let me let your husband turn against the mother. Why? I promise you. They'll turn their back. And he does everything that he says to the letter. And you still serve him. And he said, what is the matter with these people? Now friends, let me tell you something. Believers are hedged about. What he said was the truth. In that sense, God puts a hedge around his children. The devil can't take one ox from you. He can't take one donkey from you. He can't even take your dog or cat, so to speak, until he gets permission from the presence of God. So if you find yourself today in the middle of the office trial you've ever been in your life, remember the prophet said, whenever you're going through the test, you have found favor in the eyes of God. I know it's not favor with life, but it is divine favor. And it could not have happened to you without the almighty God saying alright you can do it but only under my supervision it's not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side Well, I figure the way he knew this was trial and error. The devil couldn't even make a goat sick on Job's farm. He tried to give the camels hoop and cough, and they wouldn't even hoop or cough. 
He tried to affect the children. He tried to cause his wife problems. Tried to do everything in the world. I've never seen another like this in my life. This is nothing but a baby. This is nothing but a big pet of God. Every time I try to get him, I tried the barn door. I tried the bedroom door. I tried the kitchen door. I tried every door on this place. You can't get in nowhere. His family, his sons, his daughters, his furniture is even protected. Notice he says in verse 11, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has. He will curse thee to thy face. Now what's he speaking about? He's speaking about the way he looks at temptation. And the way he surmises that every mortal ought to face it. When he was tempted from within himself, he succumbed to his self-generated pride. And if he did it as a mighty archangel, then surely you ought to. Surely we ought to. So what does he do? Repeats back to God. About Job. If I fail because of these things. Who's he? A mere mortal. You do this. I guarantee you. He'll turn his back on you. I'll cause him to go into a public market. And defame you God. It ain't no wonder he was so jealous of everything that he said. The scripture says here that thou hast blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increased in the land. I found this was so amazing. The word that was used there for increased is a metaphor taken from waters that are burst beyond their bounds and spread on all sides all around. The devil said, you can't even get nowhere in the blessings is everywhere. They got peace, they got power, they got joy, they got revelation, they got revival, they got stimulation of the world. I've tried everything in the world I know to try. I've tried things from without. I've tried things from within. I can't wonder. I don't know what in the world is going on. The only thing I know to do is come up here before your court and say, you've got a bunch of babies. You don't expect a devil to ever get to him and you've got them all spiked in. Notice now in verse 11. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse thee to thy face. The Hebrew word here, naga, means to touch with violence, to smite. Injure, strike, take away his prosperity. He'll turn on you. He'll curse you to your face. He'll do it openly. And I guess that's a devil guarantee. And you know what that's worth? That's exactly right. Walmart's got him beat. But you see, God knew Job's heart. Satan thought he did. Looking at temptation, looking at his own fallen, said he should fall under this pressure. He should turn his back on God under this. 
I love the way Brother Branham addresses this. He says, there was a man one time named Job, one of the oldest prophets in the Bible. He was a great man. He loved the Lord and had done all that he knew how to do. Satan desired to sift him. And he said to God one day, yeah, God said to him, brother, where have you been? Satan said, oh, walking up and down on the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. He's a perfect man. He said, oh, sure. You give him everything. Do everything for him. Certainly he's a great man. But let me have him one time. I'll change the tune. I'll make him curse you to your face. He said, you can't do it. That's his confidence in a believer. Oh, children, don't we want God to have confidence in us? That God could allow us by his wisdom to go through such things. And other people say, how can you go through that and not turn your back on him? How? How can you do it? I cannot do it. The Lord give and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where would I go? Where would I go if I left him? That's his confidence in a believer. Why? He's infinite. He's eternal. He knows the end from the beginning. He knowed. <laughs> he knowed. Satan couldn't do it. Maybe he's made the same claim about some of you. You let me have him. You let me. I swear, God, I'll tell you one thing. I'm done. God said, you can't do it. But he's an unbeliever. So God tells him he can't. He goes ahead and does it. God benefits you and curses the devil for afflicting you. Now watch this in verse 12. Here comes the granted permission. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Lord Jesus. That scares me to death. Don't worry about it. If you can't go through this, God will never let you face it. Don't worry about it. If you can face it and it's his wisdom to do so, you'll be blessed and others will too. But if you ain't, don't worry about it. His grace will never lead us to a spot that his grace cannot keep us. God said all that he has is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine, brother, sister? It was one of the happiest days of his existence. Oh, went back down in hell. And you'll not believe. You'll not believe. I've got permission against that holy roller you know that one that's all spiked in and spears all in guess what the spikes are gone the spears are dropped you mean we can do anything well not exactly anything we can't touch his body but we won't need to no no we won't need to I know men enough to know how men are and how they fall into temptation after all I'm a great mighty angel and, and if I fail oh if they don't tell me they'll probably just a day or two and he'll totally reside everything oh I don't even believe in God no more I don't even believe there is a God Go ahead. Come on. 
God didn't say this because he was angry at Job. God didn't say this because he was displeased with Job. God did this in order to prove that Satan was wrong and also in order to enrichen Job's life. Notice this. He goes on to tell him. He afflicts him. He loses his cattle. And one day, I wrote this down to share with you. And one day, Job was stripped of his wealth. One after another, four frightened messengers reported 500 yoke of oxen. 500 donkeys. 3,000 camels were stolen in enemy raids. 7,000 sheep were struck by lightning. Which today we would call an act of God. Most of your insurance policies have that in there, you know. That makes me so mad. I said, that makes me mad. Blaming that stuff on my daddy. Act of God. Act of God. Don't, I, I agree it's God, all right. But not my God. The God of this evil age. He doesn't get it blamed on our loving Heavenly Father. Notice how many of these. Whenever his children was all killed, what did it come by? A wind. And then lightning and then storms. It seemed as if though the God of nature was doing it to Job himself. Notice the prophet said Job never recognized it was God. As long as the devil can make you believe sometime that these little trials that you go through, it's God punishing you. It was God trying to show him something. Job never recognized it. Until he saw the vision. Let's stand. Now let me read you one more verse of scripture here before we pray. So this phase of the trial passes. And once again, the sons of God come before the Lord and Satan comes up. Chapter 2, verse 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, Is thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. But I want you to notice what other portion of word has been added to Job's testimony since the first meeting. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, Amen. Hallelujah. All this went through, all these camels, all these things that's happened, all the loss. But really, in one sense of our friend, was it a loss? Or was it not an addition? He had additional word added to his life. Additional word complemented. These words come from the mouth of God. This is the word. But this word was added through much pain. Through much loss. God, God never said this part in the beginning of the trial. I'm wondering through each little trial that we might go through. God adds another word. And another word, and maybe two words and three words. And we said, Boy, this is so awful. Oh my goodness, this has been so terrible. I don't see nothing that come out of it. It might have been up there in heaven that God was adding words to your, your testimony. 
not words to your appetites or something that would go on a gravestone but God will say he still believes me he still trusts me she still believes my word in spite of the sickness in spite of the hurting in spite of the trouble he still believes me he still holds us fast his integrity How many animals per letter did that cost? How much suffering per word did that cost? Wonder if we could call him up tonight and say, Hey, Joe! We know you've been up there rejoicing now for a couple thousand years in the presence of God. We just had a little question we'd like to ask you on this Wednesday night. We've been talking about your life here tonight. We just kind of wanted to know, was it worth it? You're going to have to quit shouting. I can't understand you. You're running around all through that bluegrass up there, and I can't catch what you're saying, Joe. <laughs> was it worth it, Brother Joe? My friends, and we have gathered around his great presence at that day. And the words are added to the book of our life and the mystery of our life. And Satan looking at us and standing. As you imagine, Brother Cherry, when he come up before the throne of God, he was so mad. Because instead of him denying God, God added more bragging. Praise God. Let me read it again and we'll close. And the Lord said unto Satan, As thou considered my servant Job, there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God. Now, hey, this is God's original testimony. It's wonderful for God to say the same things. But sometimes God wants to add more word to your life. Now, all these words that we just read about, the original testimony, it no telling how many revelations, how many years, how much growth it took to make them words. But these last few words is going to be added. The capstone to his testimony is going to be some of the most painful words of his life. Still he holdeth fast his integrity. He wasn't a loser. He was a winner. He gained. How many can say that you've gained through your tests and your trials? Still, he holdeth fast his integrity. Can't you see why he don't want to leave heaven? He loves going before the throne of God and saying things about me and about you. He loves twisting things, as we can see that he did about Job. And saying things that aren't necessarily true, but on supposition. Have you considered my servant, Donnie? Have you considered my servant, Terry? Have you considered my servant, Ron? Or Janet, or Mary, or... 
whatever your sister's names are, young people, all of us together, have you considered them? You make your brags, you're going up and down the air, I can do what I want to do. Really? Have you considered Happy Valley Church? I'd rather not talk about them. What's the matter, coward? Have you considered Evening Light Tabernacle? Have you considered all these folks that stand true to my way? I'd rather not go that way. Suit yourself. Look, children, I've seen God do all kinds of signs and wonders and healing the sick and all sorts of things in my ministry in my years. I thank God for it. I believe in that. That's part of it. But Jesus said in that day, There'll be people that are saying, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick. We've done this, that, the other. But there won't be none of them stand there and say this. Because they miss this character. Yes, sir, give me signs. Give me wonders. But give me character along with it. We can be anointed and go to hell. But we can never be converted and go to hell. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I wonder how many of us here tonight would like to say, Lord, just remember me, Father, that I can be a man, a woman, that if you need to prove a point in this last day, you can use my life, Lord. I'm not asking for trouble. I'm not asking for heartache. I'm not asking for difficulty. And you make the call, Lord. You make the call. If you need anybody, Lord Jesus, oh, if you're passing out fame, yeah, we'll get run over by people wanting that. If you're going to pass out popularity, yep, we better get out of the way because we'll get run slap dab over. By people wanting to be popular. Even people who'd want supernatural. My, well, they could go around and tell everybody, I went into the hospital, glory to God, I laid my hands on somebody, hallelujah, and I prayed for them. They got up and walked out the next day. Oh, yeah, have all kinds of people want that too. But Lord Jesus, I want that. I do. Not for my benefit, but for the benefit of your children. But Lord God, more than that, I would rather be able to have a life that you could keep adding word to my testimony. Lord, this, I, I wish they could see this. There's a whole sermon in this part here. That's where the Baptists and many of them stopped because they got saved and you couldn't add the word of sanctification. Oh my, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. The Methodists got sanctified, but they wouldn't let you add the word of the restoration of gifts. Pentecost got the restoration of gifts, but they wouldn't let you add the word of Malachi 4. Lord God, we want to be the type of people that you can just keep adding and adding and adding and adding until we've got so much word, our bodies can't take it no more. Praise God, and it'll force us into the change. Help us, Lord Jesus. Some of the ads, Lord, may come through revelations. Some of them, Heavenly Father, may be gifts of grace. But some of them, as we see here in the life of Job, may come through hard tasks and trials and difficulties of life. 
May we not shirk from it, Father. May we not run as cowards and say, No, Lord, no, Lord, not me, not me. Father God, may we be able to face it by your grace. Hallelujah. We love you tonight, Father. Lord, you see, we have many sick and many going through different things in their life. and We want to offer prayer for them tonight, Father. That you just minister to them, Lord. Healing, deliverance, peace, whatever they need, Father. We love you so much. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. May our testimony wind up being like Job. That you can keep adding word, adding word. Till eventually you come down and said, stand up, Job. Gird yourself. I want to talk to you like a man. Praise God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We appreciate you with all of our hearts. Give me just raise our hands, friends, in the presence of the Lord. Oh, my. Don't you love him? Has he been good to you? I mean, has he been so, just so good? Really, in reality, has not his blessings outweighed all the trials that he's let you go through? Has not his goodness, my brothers and sisters, been, been way beyond all the tests and the heartaches and the difficulties? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise be to God, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you here tonight, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord. You're worthy of all of our praise, Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, how can we be able to prove our love to you by conducting ourselves with joy amidst the trials that you, in your wisdom, allow to come to pass? Father, help us, Lord God. Lord, we don't want those times. We don't ask for those difficult times. But, Father, when we find ourselves there, give us the ability to fulfill that quote, Lord. Through pain, through sorrow, through loss, through agony, Lord Jesus, that you're able to add more word to our testimony. Oh, my, imagine when that man heard what the messengers had to say. It must have been so heartbreaking. Years of labor, years of investment and whatever more. Oh, you blessed him, that's right, but it didn't just fall out of heaven. It took a lot of work and a lot of things to make it go. Lord God, I wonder in the end came when his testimony was completed and the word was added to his life. If he didn't look back and say, Lord, it was worse every day. Oh my, thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you appreciate him, saints? Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, I feel like Job. I've been there. Friends, I know we've been through a lot of things, but I doubt sincerely. There's any of us here that's been through what Job. Can you imagine when his friends come to see him? And they from afar off. They begin to look down the road before they ever even get to his house. And they looked and saw him and they began to mourn. His house was in a disarray. His farm was grown up. His fences all broke down looking at the property while they couldn't afford no more servants. And when they got up to where this man was sitting, boils all over him. He stank. His flesh was rottening and falling off of the bones. The man had an odor about him. He could not wash away. 
and he would take broken pottery potsherd and he would scrape the pus and the scabs. He would have made you sick at your stomach to have been around him. And when his friends come in and sat down and looked at him, they sat there for seven days and never said one word. They were so awestruck. Brother Terry, they didn't even know what to say. But through it all, he never charged God foolishly. He got close. <laughs> I imagine the devil was holding his breath a few times, but he suffocated because he had to come back and draw breaths again. Oh, Job, curse the day he was born. Curse it be the day I was born. Curse it be the time I was a man child. Why did not my mother do this and that and the other? But he never charged God foolishly. God was able to add more word to his life. How many times has this man been preached for thousands of years because he became the living word? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Don't you understand, friend? Satan can't understand people like that. He's honestly speaking what he thinks. They'll fall. They'll crumble. They'll buckle down under the pressure. They can't take it. And whenever other mortals do it, he says, yes, yes, they're almost broken. So, what happened? No. No, I've been working on this for 57 years. This is awful. This is awful. What happened? They drag the church maybe on a Wednesday night and tell the wife before they come in, if I don't get something supernatural tonight, I'm quitting. I'll tell you one thing, I've been through hell. I went through this and that and the other. I'm getting in a bad mood and she can tell it. I like to watch your wives and your children when you shout and you jump, see how much confidence they got in you shout. You sit there and you struggle in the service and you struggle and say that he ain't getting a thing. He ain't getting a thing. But somehow supernaturally, your wife said, you're going back Saturday night. You said, you kidding me? I wouldn't miss that next service or that other part of that job. Are you kidding? I'm just going. But what you said, forget what I said. That's before the preaching. Forget what I said. That's before the saying of the word. What did God do in that service? He added another letter to your life. God bless you, saints. Brother Joel, come and sing and make them happy. Don't you appreciate the love of the Lord? Amen. Let's just worship a little bit before we go, can we? Brother Joel. Thank you, Jesus. Brothers, y'all just come help me pray for it. your spirit Lord we are 
the ones called by your We humble ourselves now as we pray, renouncing every sin and wicked way. We lift our voice, seek your face and
pray again tonight brother Homer Longoria they found a, a mass in his in his body and he's going going tomorrow I think it is to uh, to uh, for the doctor I guess to tell him what it is what they think it is so we want to offer prayer for our brother tonight anybody else have a an, an unspoken request just by the lifting of your hand that you'd like to be remembered before the Lord those of you out streaming the service tonight you as well right there in your room you heard that testimony the other day of that, that brother who had the little child that was healed with eczema. So it proves you don't have to be sitting in this building. You have to have faith. Lord Jesus, we call the name of your servant tonight, Lord, Brother Homer. Father, you see, dear God, you already know this report. You already know what the doctor is going to tell him. But Lord, we're asking you tonight in the name of Jesus that you just be with our brother. Lord, you know how we are as mortals that when we hear these things sometimes and the doctor sits there and he tries to break it if he's a good physician as, as easily as possible and tell us and it's bad news. But yet, Lord, we have another report that we believe our lives are here on the earth to serve your purpose and Satan cannot take us. Lord, the story of Job tonight reassures that in our hearts. Even to be able to make an animal sick or take an animal, God, he couldn't even do it without you allowing it. And you didn't do it because you were mean to him, but it was something to prove. So, Father, we know, no doubt, the things in our lives that come against us is only circumstances to prove your glory. We pray for Brother Homer tonight, Lord, that you just be with him. You see, Lord God... His heart still grieving and heavy over Sister Margie passing in one way. I know he'd like to go on, but yet, Lord, he wants to live. He wants to stay here and live out his purpose. Father, I pray you'd be with our brother. Not only him, Lord, others raise their hands right here tonight, Father. Many needs, many requests, Lord God. We just ask you that you'd be mindful of us, Father. We love you. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back again here if it be pleasing to you on Saturday. We're coming back expecting you to speak once again to our hearts, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Service Saturday. Remember, we'll be having a, a prayer line now. You know me well enough to know that I don't do these things unless I feel led of the Lord to do so. 
So the Lord's put it on my heart. I realize there's message folks all around the world that don't believe in prayer lines. And I've prayed for many folks in different countries around the world. And you watch message folks get up and walk out and, you know, because of their unbelief, whatever more. But I'm not here to pray for unbelievers. I'm here to pray for believers. And remember, a prayer line is not just for the healing of your body. I prayed for many folks in prayer line that got saved. Some that got sanctified. Some that got the Holy Ghost. It's not just for the healing of your body. So whatever you need, we want you to just come and expect in the Lord to move. And you remember the last one that we had several years ago when the Lord put it on my heart. So Brother Darrell will be with us, all the ministers here. And Brother Darrell's a great, a great faith preacher. And, and the Lord, I'll tell you, friends, he don't say much about it. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. For the supernatural that has followed Brother Darrell's ministry, it's sitting, you're sitting right under it and you don't even realize some of the great things that God has done through our brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Amen. I told Brother Darrell, I'd text him and was kind of talking about it, and I told him, I said, I wish Brother David could be with us. He's with us the last time. He said, Brother Donnie, I was thinking the same thing. You want me to text him? And I said, yeah, I'll text him. So he texted him in a few minutes. He sent me a thumbs up back on the text so Lord willing Brother David Siler is going to get to be with us as well so all of our local brethren here we want you brethren to be praying as well we don't want to you know to look at others and say well how great they are and overlook the brothers that are here we appreciate all them that are here that are here all the brothers and, and the deacon brothers to kind of help us to be able to orchestrate it probably I think on that Saturday night we might start service say at six o'clock on that Saturday night. Last time we was here, the prayer line lasted about six hours, so we don't know. It may not be that long, you know. If it's not, we'll just all get out early and go eat ice cream at Dairy Queen. So, but I'd rather, you know, have it have plenty enough time, and then we'll have service on Sunday morning. I'm hoping I can get Brother David to stay over and preach for us. So, have great things to look forward to, don't we? When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the Solid ground makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all our praise. Think about the Lord, 
saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the utmost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up, turned me around, how He played Solid ground makes me wanna shout. 